Welcome back to Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum. I'm Marcus Richardson. And I'm Nathan Hicken. Welcome back to the Moonshine Exhibit. Uh, in the last episode, our hero, me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we last left me, uh, I had gone into the murder museum and found myself in a room scattered with newspapers about stolen moonshine and found myself sucked into a murder scenario on an airship. I appear to be a paranormal investigator named Dr. Grace Quinn uh, amidst bringing uh, a ghost named Harley uh, back to the realm of the living. And where we just left off is we discovered the body of Harley in the cargo hold of the airship. Do I know the name of this airship? Have I seen its name anywhere? You have not. You okay. I mean, that makes sense. I don't know any of the names of any of these people besides Harley. You do have a ticket in your pocket that you didn't Ah, yes. Look I at. forgot to look at that ticket. Um, now's not the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to look around the room and see what these people's reactions are. There's the man in khaki, the woman in the veil wearing mm-hmm. purple, the man in the uniform and mm-hmm. the lady who played cello in the blue dress yes. is that everyone in this room that is everyone in this room okay gotcha yeah what, what are people talking about anyone seem especially distraught everyone seems to be putting on uh, a good show of distraughtness um the man in khaki looks particularly panicked at having found the body um mm-hmm. madam christie is actually Sorry, scratch that. The woman in the purple veil is screaming something about a curse. Okay. That's all you're able to pick up through the panicked uh, noises going on around you, around you. As that's happening, a fifth figure marches into the room uh, wearing a captain's uniform uh, with a steampunk jacket, uh, high heel black boots, and full-on goggles. She puts the goggles up uh, and kind of stomps her booted feet. All right, everyone out. Let's see if we can clear up this mess. As she says that, I'm going to flip open the obsidian compass. Okay. Uh, once again, that thundering silence roars in and everything freezes. I want to just in a few seconds just walk around each of these individuals maybe even like kind of peer in their pockets is there anything immediately suspicious about this scenario can i catch anything immediately suspicious you gotta tell me what exactly you're looking for like um uh i'm gonna uh be afraid of the compass and close it again (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) so you, you do manage to walk around you notice nothing particular suspicious um yeah i mean that's fair i i mostly was thinking just for dramatic effect when i know that most of the important players likely are in this room so kind of just a moment to like 
you know, if if this was D and D, I would want to roll an investigation mm. roll, but this ain't D and D, darn it. Alas, but that was a good idea, and I, I applaud you for the use of the compass because, yeah, there there will be. You can feel free to interrupt me anytime. Be like, I want to use this now. So, just a heads up. So, okay, thus. Well, I'm going to say, everyone, I'm an investigator. Step away from the body, and I'm going to approach it. Okay, so you approach the body. Uh, Harley's body is kind of crumpled on the floor next to a large wooden crate. There is a head wound that indicates uh, blunt force trauma. You don't see anything in the immediate vicinity that could be used as the murder murder weapon. Um, but yeah, he's wearing a, again, the kind of the clothes he's wearing right now, sort of, a uh, black kind of rumpled jacket, um, dirty stained white shirt, um, and then dirt, dirty pants that are obviously too small for him, and worn shoes. Mm-hmm. like to take a look. Uh, is he wearing a hat? Uh, it's is knocked on the ground, yeah, next to him. So it's like a little flat cap kind of. Uh, gotcha. Newsies cap. Yeah, yeah, Newsy style. Uh, I'd like to take the hat, investigate that. Anything inside it? Nope, just a little bit of soot. blood. Yep, blood oh. and soot. <laughs> blood and soot, an excellent band name. And then uh, his jacket, his pockets. Uh, so you go through the pockets. As you're going through, Harley's like, oh, what are you doing going through my pockets for? No, we got no respect for the dead. You kind of ignore him and go through anyway. <laughs> but you find uh, nothing except a small black ring similar to the one that you have. Um, I hold it up sort of towards Ghost again. Towards hey, Harley. hey, hey, stop that. All right, all right. I pocket it as well. <laughs> uh, the other people in the room are kind of confused. The woman uh, with the steampunk jacket and the one who came in uh, loudly kind of looks at you strangely as if not sure what you're doing. Sure. <laughs> um, I. All right, th- that's it in all all of his person. Mm-hmm. Shoes, nothing in there, nothing in back pocket. Nope, nothing. Okay. I will say, while the scene is still fresh, it is imperative that I get everyone's locations during uh, the last, whenever this murder happened. All right. The... Uh person who seems in charge kind of claps their hands and is like, all right, everyone form a line. We're going to do this orderly and quickly. Got an airship to pilot. Okay. I'm going to have each of these people not only tell me where they've been for, I assume, the last few hours of this voyage, also whatever their name is and occupation. Is that fair? That's fair. Yes. Okay. Well, can we start with the man in khaki? Yes. Okay. So you start with the man in khaki. Uh, he comes up to you. The other people file out of the room to give you some privacy. But he comes up to you and says, uh, yes? What is your name? Uh, my, my name's uh, Colonel Raymond Hastings. Profession? Uh, well, I, I was released from active duty a, a couple years ago, and now I teach at a local college, uh, zoology and, and botany. Please tell me where you've been the, the last few hours. Uh, the last few hours, I've been mostly in the dining car, uh, right through um, when S- Cyan was playing her cello solo. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and found the body. 
And why did you come into the storage hold? Well, uh, kind of wrings his hands and uh, Harley's like, oh, this this kid's ner- more nervous than a rabbit on uh, Easter. So, uh, that's a good one. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty solid. Ray- Raymond uh, wrings his hands. Uh, I needed some medication from my trunk. I see. Uh, you, you keep your trunk in the storage in, rather than in your room? Well, I have multiple trunks, you see, and I misplaced it. I understand. Where's your trunk? Uh, he gestures to, uh, vaguely to the east side of the, uh, cargo hold. Uh, yeah, Raymond, why don't you go fetch that for me? Well, I, I've got to look at this box. Why don't you go grab that for me? And I, <laughs> I'm going to try to casually <laughs> imply, go ahead. Yeah, he seems very reluctant to. So he will, he's edges towards one of the crates and kind of, you know, rattles it a little bit. Yeah. Got it. Hmm. <laughs> hey, Raymond. Uh, you're not doing yourself any favors right now. You found a dead body in a room. And if I was being charitable, I would say that you were in here for another reason. What? <laughs> I I honestly was just coming to check out my, my own stuff. I wasn't doing anything shady to anyone anyone else i i i didn't want any trouble i swear okay well raymond is is there uh what what was your relationship with the deceased did you know harley i i never seen harley before i'm he said he was a miner but i've never i've visited i've visited the mines once or twice but i didn't meet everyone who worked there so gotcha harley was a miner do you have any other special connections with the other people uh, on the ship? Like, asking who S- I know? Cyan. Ah. The, yeah. the lady who played cello. Ah, I, I, I know Cyan. He kind of smiles. She's she's incredible. I mean, I I don't really know her. Uh, she's around town a lot. You know, likes to be seen. You know, her, her daddy owns the mines, I, I, I think. But she throws the most incredible parties. V- very nice. Other than her, I know Madam Christie. Uh, she runs a fortune-telling medium shop in her aunt's house. Uh, most people say she's crazy, but I don't mind her. Mm-hmm. How about the man in uniform? Oh, you mean Mooney. Uh, I've seen him around. I remember his uh, bout for mayor once. Ended pretty badly. But, you know, I don't really know anything about it. Or him, really. Ticket takers kind of make me nervous. Would you like to elaborate on that? What's a what's a ticket taker? Oh, the the person who comes around and asks, "Hey, got your ticket?" and then you, then you pull it out. And I always worry that maybe somehow I I put it in the wrong pocket and or I left it in my suitcase. Then what are they gonna do? Throw me off the airship? <laughs> yeah, just just nervous. <laughs> I see. Nathan, is that the kind of uniform he was wearing? Something that looks like staff? Uh. The, the man uni- in crumpled uniform. Uh, yes, it, it looks uh, more similar to like, yeah, kind of like a bellboy. It could okay. be very easily be taken. I don't know why I, I thought it was a, a military uniform, but that makes mm. sense. Okay. Mooney. Interesting. Um, any relation between Mooney and Moonshine, which I know is a drink here? I, 
That seems just to be a coincidence that Mooney happens to work on the Moonshine Express. I, I don't know what the else Moonshine to tell you. The Moonshine Express, you say? <laughs> How curious. <laughs> Writing that down in big letters. <laughs> you know, one of the hardest parts about these things <laughs> is the, like, the super obvious information that it's like, how can I, in a satisfying way, be like, what's your name? Where are we? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're doing great. You're doing great. Aw, shucks. Even Thanks. Harley's like, oh, you're doing great, kid. <laughs> uh, I, I blush. And... <laughs> okay. All right. He's told me... He's given me the name of Madame Christie uh, Mooney. Uh, what about... How about the captain? Know anything about the captain? Oh, I've flown with her before, but I don't know her personally. She kind of sticks to her cockpit, mostly. This is the first time I've seen her this trip, honestly. And what's her name? Oh, that that, that would be Captain Edgeware. Edgeware. Well, uh, Colonel Hastings, if you would like to think about whatever it was that you wanted in here besides your medication, I think that... It would be wise to let me, an investigator, <coughs> paranormal investigator, but an investigator, as soon as you think is smart. Yes, I, I will certainly think on that, and I will, I will <laughs> let you know. Kind of glances to the side and uh, shuffles out of the room. All right, um, I'm going to see if he can send in Madame Christie. A, a, a moment later... The door to the cargo hold dramatically bursts open, and there in the doorway stands Madame Christie, wearing purple robes, cloth draped across her face, in uh, what she clearly hopes is a mysterious uh, manner, but it's kind of ruined by the pair of huge glasses that, like, bugs out beneath them. So, thus. Yes, you called! Inspector. Madame Christie. Yes, the one and only. She holds out her hand for you to do something with. I tenderly shake it. Yes, she withdraws it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Madam Christie, uh, would you be so kind as to let me know what have you been up to on the Moonshine Express? Oh, what have I been up to? Recently or this whole time, I... Whatever you feel fit to tell me. Hmm... Well, let me see. She closes her eyes and takes a deep breath. This has been a very trying journey for me. I don't particularly love flying, but my tea leaves told me to be here three days ago, and I listened to the whims of them, so thus. But I have been in the dining car the entire time, gazing at my crystal ball and uh, listening to Cyan's lovely cello solo. Was she rolling her eyes when she said that? Yes. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Oh, of course. You are a a diviner, a a fortune teller. Oh, yes. I'm glad you can well uh, recognize a fellow student of the arcane arts. If the dead could speak to us now, what would he be saying right now? Right now. What would I be saying right now? I'd be saying, what the heck am I doing here? That's what I'd be saying right now. Uh, Madame Christie kind of closes her eyes and rubs her glasses. I 
I think he would be saying that he's sorry he's gone, that he misses this dear old life that he left behind. None of us knew him very well, but, you know, such is the life of a lonely old miner. She kind of actually stops a moment and looks at you and, like, squints her eyes. Peculiar. Hmm. Uh, what what part of me is she looking at? Is she looking kind of up where the ghost would be? Yeah, just off center. Not quite directly at Harley, but, like, kind of close. Interesting. Okay, so maybe she does have a bit of acumen for the arcane. Maybe not a total sham. Well, Madam Christie, why did the tea leaves tell you to be here three days ago? What what did you know was going to occur on the Moonshine Express? I didn't know anything before, but as it is apparent by this tragic death, we, I guess I think we can assume that this is just another manifestation of the curse. She does a dramatic head weave. <laughs> Do tell. Don't tell me that you haven't heard of the curse, my dear inspector. <laughs> Go on. Oh, we're all doomed, child. Doomed! <laughs> Go on. Well, I'm sure that you know the cargo that this precious Moonshine Express is carrying, don't you? None other than the sarcophagus of Pharaoh Merikari. In this very cargo hold? In this very cargo hold. She gestures to the large crate that Harley is leaning against. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps we should ask the pharaoh himself. <laughs> I, I do ah. walk over to the box. <laughs> All right. How does she react? Uh, what exactly are you planning to do exactly? <laughs> she looks slightly concerned. The pharaoh would know who killed hey, uh, who killed Harley. My dear inspector, are you, are you proposing a summoning here in the airship? Uh-huh. Well, I, I'm sure one as as uh, as studious and st- studied as you would know that, unfortunately, a summoning only works when you're in the vicinity of where the person died, and I don't believe that an ancient Egyptian pharaoh died uh, eighty miles above or so many kilometers above <laughs> the Californian Oregonian wilderness. You raise an interesting point. So are you suggesting perhaps I should just raise Harley from the grave? Could you really do such a thing? I've rarely seen... Of course, I I could do it, but uh, much, much, much too uh, humble to do it in front of uh, everyone here. But if you could do such a thing, that would be phenomenal. Hmm. I'll have to get back to you on that. Perhaps he could reveal some of the secrets held on this Moonshine Express. Mm. (laughs) Madam Christie, could you please tell me, what is your... I I noticed the way that you talked about Cyan. Any any words you'd like to, to tell me about her in my investigation? Miss Cyan, yes. Uh, Miss Cyan Evans is a stuck-up little prat, or so the lunar cycle indicates. Wow. Okay. Uh, you, you've got some good info. The lunar cycle is an excellent reference, so I'm going to yes. have to get some more stuff out of you. Mooney, what's his deal? <laughs> oh, 
Mooney, 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 Mooney. Oh, you mean Nicholas Ackroyd. I'm afraid he's no big fan of mine. He was not a believer in what the Rings of Saturn had to say about his chances. Chances of what? Chances of being, winning the election, of course. Where have you been? Oh, the right election. <laughs> Did I forget that immediately? Yes. <laughs> I personally didn't think he had a chance. I told him so myself, but now he doesn't speak to me. The poor boy. She says boy, but he is clearly as old as she is. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I got that. The the condescending form of boy. Cool. Um, anything about uh, Captain Edgeware? Captain Edgeware? Oh, yes, I know her. She's visited me once or twice. She insisted that she didn't believe in any magic or anything, but that she was curious. Hmm. What was she visiting you for? Oh, some sob story, some parent figure died, blah, blah, blah. Talk to the dead, yes, uh, that sort of thing. You're just oddly nonchalant <laughs> about the, you know, the, the I assume the main <laughs> place of uh, where work comes from for you. Are you so flippant about death always? Death is but another step in the great beyond journey and such. Harley's like, well, that's condescending. <laughs> Do you really remember nothing else about Captain Edgeware's request? She wanted to talk to her dead father. I do that sort of thing all the time. So it's not quite a big deal. I am a medium, of course. Mm-hmm. I have such a distaste for mediums in real life. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to keep, keep that at bay, considering not only... Is she fictional? But also, I am one in this story, <laughs> basically. You um, become that which you most fear. <laughs> I've become what I most despise. Okay. That's it. <laughs> and Madam Christie, where were you for informed of the curse on the Moonshine Express from Pharaoh Merikari? The curse? Well, I've I've known about it my whole life, of course. The Mummy's Curse. She like sends into her like her narrator mode. The, narrow, the mummy's curse started centuries ago after they first ripped Merikari from his incredibly affluent tomb in the middle of the Nubian desert. All four explorers and their patrons died horribly violent deaths in tragic accidents within months of finding the tomb, with the head explorer being crushed inside the tomb itself while a sandstorm swallowed it whole. Though the tomb was lost, the mummy had already been packed off to a museum in Amsterdam. In six months, the museum burned to the ground with the mummy still inside. Remarkably, it stayed perfectly intact, but the owners were surprised to discover new symbols on the sarcophagus. It changed hands from private owner to private owner before finally coming to public auction earlier this week in San Francisco. And it seems that the curse has come with it. So, is this the first death of many? Oh, my dear child, you have no idea how many lives this old soul has claimed. <laughs> You're speaking of the pharaoh and not yourself, right? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Me, I wouldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> she winks. Ah, uh, hmm. Yeah, she shouldn't have winked. <laughs> Only makes me suspicious. Interesting. And who won the auction on the pharaoh? Ah, uh, well, I'm sure you've heard the news that the good mayor Henry Shoemaker from our good old town of Moonshine, Oregon was intending to bid on the sarcophagus himself and indeed did successfully purchase it. 
Henry Shoemaker? Yes. Could that be the wonderful Henry Shoemaker? <sighs> the Henry Shoemaker that's uh, that has reviewed Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum? That's right, folks. That is Henry Shoemaker. <laughs> and you, too, could find yourself inside one of our murder mysteries if you also review the show. Yes. I'm so sorry. I recognize the name. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I don't know if you want to say that later, but hey, you no, used the name of a listener. That's great. For real, shout out to them. So Awesome. So is that the mayor that beat Nicholas Aykroyd or Mooney? Ah, yes. that I believe that was that election. That was a doozy of one. I do believe. Yes. So uh, Mayor Henry Schumacher has been uh, mayor there for five, six years, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. I personally think he's a great elected official. I, I think he's fantastic, really. Oh, he has excellent yes. taste in podcasts. Uh, yeah, One can <laughs> not argue that point, my, my child. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> okay. What's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> a pod of what? What does this All have right. to do with solving my murder? <laughs> I turned to him and say, oh, now you care about solving your murder. I thought you wanted to just get out of here. Well, I'm now dead on the floor. It's kind of shocking to a fella. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look over at Madam Christie and be like, ghosts, am I right? Yes, the soul. What? What? Did you just... <clears throat> she, like, looks at you, kind of adjusts her glasses. <laughs> well, <laughs> Madam Christie, why don't, why don't you head on out and uh, bring in Cyan Evans? Right. She strokes her chin as she continues to stare at you. <laughs> as if you. she had a beard, but she doesn't. She, yes. An imaginary beard. Uh, but she stares at you the whole time before she leaves. So <laughs> She's making eye contact walking backwards out of yes. the cargo hold. She slips on uh, one of the crates, but uh, still manages to make a exit with dignity. Excellent. Okay. But, but actually, before Cyan comes in, yes. um, I assume it takes a second to get mm-hmm. her... Harley, Harley, do you have any memories popping up? Is anything about this scenario familiar? Well, I, I did say, uh, I, I did say that I, I saw a flash of wood, right? And, and look, look at that right there. That looks like, wait, well, points to the large That's crate. That's definitely wood. That looks, and me right there at the bottom, I mean. Whew. The mummy, though. Mummy, mummy. That's, that's tickling something in my... Well, I'd say brain, but I don't know what ghosts have in my, I don't know, thought space. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep on thinking on that. Mm. And I'll let Cyan walk in the room. All right. Cyan comes in. She has the uh, cello bow tucked under one arm. She has her cello in the other. As you can see, her cello actually is made out of uh, completely gears so there's like gears and twisting cogs um, all throughout it um, the, the uh, bow the bow itself looks like it's retractable there's like hinges and little cogs on it as well she's even like so, fiddling with something one of the cogs as she's like t- twisting it on putting it adding another cog on not really sure what, she, what it's going to add to it but she's tinkering with it well we can cross off unnecessary cogs off of our <laughs> steampunk bingo sheet <laughs> boom <laughs> Okay. Does she introduce herself? 
Ah, uh, yes, uh, Dr. Grace Evans. I am delighted, I, I tell you. Um, I am Miss Cyan Evans, or sorry, Dr. Grace Quinn. I am delighted. Uh, I am Miss Cyan Evans. I, perhaps you have heard of me. I don't believe we've had the pleasure of being formally introduced, but she uh, shakes her hand and then goes back to fiddling with her cello bow. Fiddling with a cello? What blasphemy. <laughs> she should only cello with a cello. Oh, <laughs> you're right. She puts it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, oh, Cyan, your, your beautiful music precedes you. I've heard it uh, before. Ah, uh, <sighs> yes. I know my, my fame and fortune go, go ahead of me. It's, it's a blessing, but it's mostly a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Would ha, Have you been playing in the parlor or whatever it's called for the entire flight? <laughs> Doctor, I believe you were there. I was playing cello the whole time. Well, most of the time. I was in my room a little bit at the beginning of our journey, but I decided my cello needed a little practice, so I brought it out for a little performance. Anything special about your cello? Why, it's it's my own creation. Lovingly crafted over the last uh, 20 odd years that I've been playing cello. Have any party tricks? Any transforming aspects? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, not in this company. She gestures to the, the uh, dead body. <laughs> uh, fair, but- fair. Let's go back to... Uh, to this. Did you know Hayes, uh sorry, did you know Harley? Did I know Harley? Well, he was one of my daddy's workers, I assume. I try not to mix with the rabble, so I don't really know him. I'm more surprised that he got on here at all. Now, who could he have come here with if not himself? I mean, if if he wasn't able to afford it himself. That's that's the question I was asking myself, honestly, because as you can see, uh, we're, we're, we're all of a different class than uh, poor Harley here. Different class? What do you mean different class? <laughs> I got as much class as two of you. He, he tries to spit, but like he's a ghost, so he can't really spit. So, thus. <laughs> ghost spit. Another excellent band's name. <laughs> uh, and why are you on this flight? Well, I was just coming back from a little gallivant in San Francisco, and it's time for me to be heading back to good old Moonshine. And where's Moonshine located? Oh, right in the middle of Oregon. About two hours flat from San Francisco. Hmm. So how close are we to landing? Oh, I'd say we're about an hour out, give or take. Oh, boy. Interesting. Now, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good... Wouldn't it be good to know who killed poor Harley before we landed? I was just thinking the same thing. We really should. Do you have any insights for me, Cyan? Anyone any I should be I, I should be looking at? Anyone you're suspicious of? Oh, well, my dear doctor, I don't like to spread rumors, but <laughs> I happen to know. I've been to be suspicious of a couple people. Well, the colonel, for one, left during my, my thrilling performance. Um, and the captain didn't leave the cockpit the whole time, even though I was serenading. Mm-hmm. 
So are all of your suspicions based primarily on whoever did not enjoy your cello music as you hoped? Well, what else would I base it on? I stand corrected. I apologize, Miss Evans. Uh, okay, I, I will have more questions for you, but I need to be introduced to the rest of this colorful cast. Could you please send in Nicholas Ackroyd, the ticket man? Nicholas? You mean Mooney? I sure do. Does that man have a real name? Wow, that is <laughs> delightful. He will hate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so she leaves and she sends in Mooney. He comes in and uh, just a brief description, elderly crotchety man, long sideburns, permanent scowl. Now that you can see him front on, um, you can see that one eye is actually covered with a patch while the other has a big giant glass lens with a brass outline over it. It makes the eye look twice as big. I The, the most accurate description would be if someone stuck Ebenezer Scrooge into a bellboy outfit. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Mooney. That's me. Mooney, I understand that you're the ticket taker here on the Moonshine Express. That's one of my jobs, yeah. I take tickets, I clean, I serve drinks, I repair things, whatever needs doing. Camera and radio both on my list at the moment, so could we quicken this up? Oh, yes. Could you take me to the radio? Right now? Yes. All right. <laughs> he leads you uh, out of the cargo... Um, and wait, 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 wait. Can I just, I want to take like a mental picture of this room. I want to know if anyone touches this body, moves it, tries to open the box. By the way, I, I did ask about going over to the box. I did want to just quickly check any signs of tampering of it being opened. Like, is it nailed shut? Okay. So we're going <laughs> to travel Put a back in, in it. time. Yes. So. Um, put a pin and go into the radio. So this is what you see on the crate. So, um, the crate is covered in stamps declaring the contents fragile. Um, the shipping return address is the Layton Auction House in California, while the destination is Moonshine, Oregon. Um, the lid itself is shut with a strange lock. Instead of like a lock face, it's a small golden clock. So you can see like the inner workings of the gears and whatnot layered on top of the clock. A clock with two hands? Two hands, yep. Like Roman numerals? Uh, yes, there's like notches where like the numbers are, so it goes 1 through 12, yes. Okay, what were the ancient Egyptians doing with... Uh, <laughs> this is on the outside of the crate, so... Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Right, is, you sorry. Don't see, I you, yeah, you haven't seen the sarcophagus, sarcophagus itself yet. Okay, there's some sort of clock lock. <laughs> yes. Okay. That, yet, yet another thing I'll have to come back to later. Um, any other significant details? Did you, wait, you said there were... On the crate simple. or in the cargo as, as a whole? I mean, while I'm in here, I might as well look at a few boxes as well. Okay. Again, it's a menagerie of crates and trunks. Um, a couple of them catch your eye. Um, in one corner, there is a stuffed wolf with a little collar, like a, like a taxidermied wolf um, with the collar on it. Um, there is a trunk with uh, in the corner, kind of where Hastings was gesturing. One of the latches is open. Again, various crates around there. One on a crate on the other upper shelf is kind of jostling quite a bit. <laughs> Thus, so. Okay. Uh, the wolf. Anything on the collar? Like. Yeah. Uh, so the collar has just the letter O on it. Might be important later. 
the open latch. Can I open that? You open the latch and you look inside and you jump back in surprise, screaming, um, as you see a large king cobra coiled up like some lethal scaly rope. It wriggles a little bit, um, but it doesn't seem too active. Um, but Harley's freaking out. That's more terrifying than a charge of dynamite strapped to, the gri- to a grizzly bear. I almost got the chills and I'm dead. That's almost as terrifying as a cobra in an open box. You don't <laughs> need to compare terrifying things to other terrifying things. Well, I just fit the mood. What's that doing here? What an excellent question. What is a taxidermied wolf doing in here? Well, that has a reasonable explanation. This thing's alive! Sure. (laughs) Um, Interesting. I don't think there's much else I can glean uh, about this snake right now. And something else was Jocelyn in here? Something else? Yes. Worth looking at? Yeah. So, a smaller crate up on the shelf, kind of above the trunk, um, draws your attention. This has a little hinge on the front. Uh, you swing it open without any problem, as if someone has installed, you know, the hinges, duh. Um, inside <laughs> is a birdcage with a large green parrot wearing, of all things, a monocle and a top hat. What? What? <laughs> what? Yep. As it opens, uh, it blinks a couple times, and uh, in parrot speak... Rah! Hello! Rah! Mayor! Mayor! Rah! <laughs> I toss Pocket Watson out the window <laughs> and cancel the seance on Harley. I need no other Watson. It's love at first tweet. I This is my soul mate. Uh, he has a little monocle. <laughs> yep. Rah! You, you created the perfect pet. This is beautiful. Oh... Uh. I instantly endeared. I say, <laughs> Mayor Shoemaker? Rah, Mayor! Mayor! Rah! Mooney? Rah! Mooney! Rah! Mooney! Hmm. Who do you belong to? Rah! <laughs> it doesn't seem to quite understand the command. Okay, sure. Uh, commands. Again. This might be like a video game. I like it. Okay, um, let's try different commands. What's your name? <laughs> Ra- Sheila! Sheila! Who's a pretty bird? I'm a pretty bird! I'm a pretty bird! Yes, you are! <laughs> yes, you are! <laughs> I would... I, I haven't... <laughs> I've known Sheila for less than one minute, but I would already die if anything <laughs> happened to her. Uh, uh. Sheila want a cracker? Cracker! Cracker! Rah! Want a cracker? Uh, she's just parroting what I say. Okay. <laughs> it's almost as if she's a parrot. Wow. Okay. Extremely cool. Uh, doesn't feel like there's anything really actionable. I can't think of a clever way to interrogate this parrot. <laughs> Not yet, but I will remember. Not yet. Okay. Okay. All of that being done, we can go back to me being taken by Mooney to the radio. Okay, so he leads you uh, through the hallway, uh, through the dining car, and then across the dining car between the piano and the bar, there is a door. 
no, uh, Mooney knocks on the door for a moment. Uh, the captain's face appears, uh, kind of looks at you, looks at Mooney, and rolls her eyes, opens the, opens the door, and lets you inside. So the captain uh, moves back forward, and you can see that there is a, it looks like a cockpit, so there's all sorts of pilot's instruments. Um, that's where uh, the captain's singing, or uh, sitting, singing, sitting. She could be singing. Singing to herself as she pilots the airship. Um, there's a couple other things over there, but um, Mooney leads you to a corner where there is a radio. Here it is, our brand new Chroma Mix 1200. There's a little, like, moose statue on it. Um, nice. As you can see, it's broken. Does it look like this radio is missing a piece? Let me show you what the problem is. He uh, opens one of the side panels and exposes a wire. And I'm going to send you something. Yeehaw. Okay, I'm looking at three different wires that each uh, attach one dot to another dot. Um, The wires are three different colors orange, green, and purple, and the dots are blue, yellow, and red. And it says one wire should intersect the other two, which I'm pretty sure I could just take the green wire, attach the right side of it to the blue, and take the right side of the orange wire and attach it to the red. Could I make that switch? You make that switch and nothing happens. Harley's like, yeah, or uh, Mooney's like, oh, Told you it's broken. I haven't gotten around to fix it. Can't make heads or tails of this newfangled technology. Chroma Mix 1200, my foot. Chroma Mix. Chroma Mix. Chroma Mix. Okay. If you mix blue and yellow, <laughs> you get green. We're bringing it back to grade school, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is 1920s, you know. Yeah. Old school. That's right. All right, I'm going to take the green wire then and uh, attach the right side of it. Take it from the blue to the yellow. All right. I can take the purple wire and have it connect the, let's see, the red on the left to the blue on the right, I think. And then the orange from the red to the yellow. The the yellow on the left, red on the right. Well, as you do that, the radio... Rushes to life with a scream of static. By golly, you did it. I'm impressed. And the radio is now fixed. Now all you need to do is uh, put in your radio frequency. Should be uh, four digits. Uh, oh, I know exactly what it is. Oh, Genevieve. <laughs> One, nine, eight, seven. Okay. As you uh, adjust the uh, frequency to one one nine eight point seven, static filters in and out, and finally you hear a voice. Marcus, Marcus, finally! Oh, where have you been? Are you on the airship yet? Yes. Uh, oh. I'm. Where Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm down on the ground. But listen carefully. I don't have a lot of time. The device I gave you, the the the, the compass thing. Do you have it? Still? Uh, yes. Okay, yes, good. I do. Do not lose that. I, it's very important, very hard to get a hand, hold of. It's called a moratoria. It will allow you essentially to freeze time in your exhibit's reality, but still enable you to interact with your surroundings. This 
will be helpful in a manner of ways as you solve this case, I assume. But you must turn it off after 53 seconds. You got that? How many seconds? 53. 53. Got it. Having it open longer will have terrible consequences, trust me. The I, device... I, I trust you, but also, what? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I didn't just give this to you to fool around, obviously. I, I need you to find something for me. It's, it's an amulet. When you find it, slide it into the moratoria so that it'll come out with you when you leave the exhibit. That's very important. Slide it inside. If you don't, it might not come with you. I'll find you when I can retrieve it. Got it? Oh. Yes, but also, I have questions. <sighs> Look, and I, I know this is a lot. I know you don't owe me anything. You hardly know me at all. Um, but <sighs> I have, I do have answers. I was once like you as well, wandering through these exhibits at the call of the Newman, and just what we do has consequences, good and bad, and we're trying, I'm, I'm trying to write, look, I'm sorry, I have to go, but I'll see you when I can. Get that amulet. And it turns to static. Okay, I trust you. <laughs> I don't know why. Close that latch! Close that latch! He's on the loose! He's on the loose!